Any guesses as to what this is? It, it, it is paper, and it looks like a column. It's a uh, pattern, a template for a spindle in a handrail. Now you can adjust the length of it however you want to, but the most, most, the most important part is the profile on the top and bottom. Now, you'd lay this on a piece of wood, <clears throat> a one by four, one by six, lay that down, trace the profile out, adjust the length however you need it up or down, trace the bottom profile out, cut it, lay it on another one, lay it on another one, lay it on another one. This is the pattern that you cut every spindle by. Now, of course, only an accomplished woodworker would know this, of course. But um, everything, most things in carpentry come as a result of a pattern or a measurement of some sort to, to standardize things by. And here we find ourselves today continuing this study and learning to follow. We looked at week one following the instructions, last week and following the plan, and this week we're going to follow the example, following the pattern, following the template for us. And that example, that pattern, that template is the Lord Jesus himself. So we're going to look at two passages today, one in Matthew 9, the account of the calling of Matthew himself, and the other one in John 10. So if you will, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Let's look together at verses 9. <clears throat> excuse me, to 13. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, <clears throat> many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and the disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax, uh, tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not only the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, get this scene in your mind, if you will. Jesus, walking by the way, sees Matthew there at his table, money about, people in line to pay their taxes, being stuck and gouged at every turn. So here he finds, walks up on this scene and makes the call to Matthew himself. Notice with me, First of all, that Jesus, following Jesus, is an invitation into relationship. Look with me at verses uh, 10 again. He says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came in and ate with him and his disciples. Jesus was having dinner, you notice, at Matthew's house. Now, <clears throat> as you can see by the Pharisees' response to this, this was scandalous. This was early in Jesus' ministry as he's calling the Twelve. But this is a scandalous event here as he, as he gets out of the blocks and gets started and so here's this picture of Jesus around the table with Matthew and, and his, his tax collector buddies, his, the, the, the thieves and robbers and things that they are. And Jesus is interacting with those guys, talking with them, breaking bread with them, sharing a meal with them. And the, and the Pharisees are probably outside Matthew's house, positioned in the courtyard or wherever, because he would have a pretty large house <clears throat> as a tax collector. And so here they find themselves peering in the windows and listening as, as best they can to hear what Jesus is saying to these sinners, these these reprobates. And so here's, here's this principle I want you to get first of all, and that's this. It's an important principle. Jesus is more interested in relationship than he is in reputation, always. That's why relationship matters to him because he cares more about the relationship with you than your reputation in the past or anyone else for that matter. He doesn't care where you've been. He cares who you are and where you're going. We, on the other hand, look at more, reputation more than relationship often because we look at reputation to say, that's who you've been. That's probably still who you are. 
That's where you come from. That's still what you look like. And so here's Jesus to say, I don't care about that. I don't care about that, Matthew. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of reputation you have in the community. I'm interested in tomorrow, not today, not yesterday. It's an important principle with us because he always values reputation or, or, or relationship over reputation every, every time in us. Now, notice here as well that following him is not about a bunch of rules. Jesus didn't say, Matthew, clean up, straighten up, give all this money back, <clears throat> and, and then some, <clears throat> and then come follow me. Get straightened out, get yourself situated, then come follow me. He doesn't say that at all. He said, let's go out to dinner at your house, Matthew. Understanding that over dinner, over the breaking of bread, and it doesn't life happen that way a lot. We, we learn a lot about people sharing a meal with them. But over the breaking of bread and over dinner, Matthew begins to see some things that he meant by saying, follow me, come follow me. He begins to get a clear picture of all of that. And so here's this, 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 this imagery here of this thief, this robber, a swindler and a sinner of sinners having dinner with the one who's about to change his life forever. And so what does that say to us? It says no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, doesn't matter what your past looks like, no matter what your present is even, he's not interested in that. He's interested in your relationship with you. He's interested in tomorrow, not today. He's interested in next week, not last week. So he values reputation or relationship over reputation every time. And so here's this Here's this, uh, this guy that's come to have dinner with this sinner. You'll remember in Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door and comes in uh, to, to, to sup with me, to have dinner with me and me with him. So this, it, it, this idea of his, his inviting us into relationship, into, into something that we've not known before, not seeing him and walking with him from a distance, but seeing him, understanding him and walking with him intimately knowing him intimately, and he us, and walking with him in that same fashion. So following Jesus is an invitation into relationship. Secondly, following Jesus is an invitation into understanding. Look with me, if you will, at verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. On hearing this, Jesus said, Anytime Jesus starts to speak, if you have a, a red-letter edition, if your Bible has red letters when Jesus speaks, notice the red letters. They're, they matter. When Jesus starts to speak himself, we need to start listening. When, the, when, the, when, the, when the, the example, the model, the template is talking, we need to pay attention. He hears their question here, notice, and answers their question with an, with an analogy. The analogy here is, is with, with sickness and, and, and uh, well people and sick people. Now, he's doing that to, to, to drive home a point. And so the question comes, is he referring to spiritual sickness, physical sickness, Emotional sickness, cultural sickness, relational sickness. Well, the answers are yes, 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 and yes. He's talking about a sick heart, a sick mind, a sick body. Those of us who are born into sin are born into, into, into the sickness that we, we find ourselves in. So following him, he says here, is the way to understanding. In fact, gives them a riddle to follow, so figure this out. He's saying, following me is a way to understanding. It's, it's a way of understanding that it is the sick. It is people like Matthew. It's folks that are, that are away from me who need a doctor, not the well folks. He's the one I come to to say, I want to redeem you from your past and from your present to show you a plan that is far different than anything you've ever seen before than, what you've, than the place you've walked. So here we find the enemy always asking us, why is God holding out on you? Why does he not make this more clear to you? Here's, here's something you've been praying about for weeks, months, perhaps even years, and you still can't see God's way. Why is he holding out on you? And he never holds out on us. The key there is, is the more we find ourselves in relationship with him, in fellowship of him, 
the more understanding we have of what he's up to and what he's, what he's about to do, what he's in the process of doing in that moment. Greater understanding is tied to following the example, following the template, following the pattern, following the model. The more we follow him, the more we understand his way. We'll see that a little more next week. The more we understand his way and his nature, the easier it is to follow him and the greater understanding we have. Listen to these words from John 8, chapter, or chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, watch this, will never walk in darkness. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light, <clears throat> excuse me, of life. Now, the light's about to come on in Matthew's life. He's about to drastically change his livelihood, his, 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 his nature, the way he thinks. And it's about to dramatically change. We, we saw a little bit of that last week. When God comes up with a plan for us, it's seldom things we've figured out on our own, the things that he's shown us every time. And so Matthew's situation is about to change. And he's, he's with greater understanding and greater fellowship, he's about to lay his career down and lay his livelihood aside and lay everything he's known away and start to follow Jesus. Now, sometimes the Lord will ask you to do something that drastic. He did in Matthew because Matthew was headed in the wrong direction. Sometimes he'll ask us to do that as well, to say, lay this down, walk away from it, and come and see a way that I've shown you. Now, not always does he do that. Not always does, does it involve a career change necessarily or a vocational change or a move or a marriage or a relationship or, or severing this friendship or walking away. Not always does it require something that drastic, but sometimes he will, and here's the question, are we willing to do it? If that's where God is leading, are we willing to follow where he's leading? If he's, if he's implying here to say, listen, this is it's a significant change in the life of Matthew, and sometimes your change will be significant too. Are you ready to follow me into that change? Are you ready to follow me into something that's significant? Well, understanding follows the following. Understanding follows the example. Following Jesus into an invitation to relationship and into understanding, but following Jesus is an invitation as well into familiarity. Turn to John chapter 10. You want to look with me at verses 1 to 9, John chapter 10. Very truly, I'll tell you, the Pharisee, uh, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs by, in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his, uh, his, his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus again said, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come. They may have life and have it to the full. Following Jesus is an, is an invitation into familiarity. Look with me at verses 3 and 4 again. He says here, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because, watch this, they know his voice. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. When I was growing up, we especially in the summertime. Uh, we had one of the bigger yards in, in the neighborhood, so kids would congregate to our yard to play football or, or baseball or ball of some kind. And as dusk and twilight would start to hit its way, <clears throat> we'd start to hear calls for supper time. 
My mom would come out on the back stoop of our house, supper time. And it was supper time. It's time to drop the ball, whatever you're doing, head to supper time. My cousin, we, we play, I played ball with my cousin and several neighborhood friends. And my cousin lived four backyards away from me. And his mom would come out on the front porch and I can't whistle very good. And that would be heard for miles and miles around. Well, he recognized that. It would make a beeline to the house. I heard and recognized, regardless whether I was in my backyard or somebody else's, I heard supper time made a beeline to the house. You know why? Because I recognized the voice. And he recognized the whistle. There was familiarity there. There was a sense of, uh-huh, it's my, it's my mom. It's my house. It's time for me to go. And so one by one, each mom would kind of call their, call their clan in for supper time. And so we recognized that and responded to it. Get this here. <clears throat> Recognition. The key to recognizing things. Recognition is tied to repetition. The more we hear something, the more we experience something, the more we do something, the more we recognize it the next time around. Anticipate it even the next time around before it even happens. It's tied to repetition. If we want to recognize something more clearly, we, we need some familiarity with it. There needs to be some a sense of cohesion with it. And so the more we see, the more we hear, the more we experience something, the more we're familiar with it, the more we're going to recognize it. The word familiarity is, of course, rooted in the word family. So there's this sense of relationship, this sense of connection. He wants us to make connections with him and be familiar and hear and recognize and respond to his voice every time. So how do we do that? By exposing our ears like you're doing here today, by exposing our ears to truth, by exposing our eyes to what we see in front of us, and by exposing our hearts to what we hear from the Holy Spirit. We talked about exposing our eyes in week one to following the instructions. We have an instruction book, an instruction manual to follow. And the more we get in it, stick our nose in it, the more we'll understand the ways of God, what he's up to, how he speaks to us, how we should in turn respond to him. The more we see, the more we hear, and the more we sense the presence of, of the Holy Spirit, the more and easier it'll be more, with more repetition, the more recognition comes. The easier it'll be to recognize his voice on a regular basis. Now, the more that happens, the more we find ourselves more willing to follow. Why? Because I know it's God's voice. You ever been in situations I have, I'm sure you have, where I've been praying for this and, boy, there's an open door. Is that God? Is that God saying, yeah, here it is, step through it? Or is that just an opportunity? Or is that just fate? Is that just happenstance? Is it, could that be the Lord? Well, how do I know that? I know that by repetition. The more I've responded to him, the more I've, I've seen his evidence of his work in his hand, the truer it is that I can hear his voice and say, yes, that's him. That's, that's, that's the door he's open. I need to move in it and follow in it. So it is about it is about repetition. There's also some incidental connections that are made when we make the, this relationship connection. And the, so the more we hear his voice and recognize it, the more our story starts to have influence. And the more our influence start to, starts to be brought to bear in the lives of folks around us, in, in essence to say, Here's what I've been praying about for weeks, months, years. Here's how God, seeing God responded to that. And that conversation is a witness in, in, in of itself as our story is told to others around us over and over and over again. And that repetition starts to help them recognize there's something different about them. They're walking to the, they're walking to the beat of a different, different drum than me. They're, they're, they're responding to a different leadership than me. There's something different about them. And as our story starts to be told again and again, they start to see, ah, oh, that's Jesus. That's exactly who they're talking about. They're talking about a faith, a, a, a walk of faith, a following of faith. And so as, as, that, as that story starts to be told, either about progress or about struggle or about calamity or about lack of understanding and our getting it, our starting to see here's where God is, here's what he's up to. As that story starts to be told, there's greater familiarity not only with our story but with our God. 
And so those ripple effects of our story have that same effect on the lives of others. But that familiarity, as I said, comes with, with repetition. So Jesus invites us into relationship. He invites us into understanding. He invites us into familiarity. And he invites us finally into freedom. Look at verse 9 with me. Well, John 10, verse 9. He says here, I am the gate. and Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. There'll be, there'll be this sense of free exchange here. Jesus, the master teacher, is painting a picture of freedom here with a story about sheep, saying in verse 9, they'll come in and go out and come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, they'll have the freedom to do that. Why is that the case? Well, we, we respond to something that is, that is secure for us. We find more freedom and security uh, than really about anything else. So if we, if we feel and sense and know safety, we're going to have experienced a lot more freedom in our relationship with him and our following of him as well. And so I'm not, and I'm not talking about safety as it, as it applies to necessarily being saved and being lost. I'm talking about safety as it applies to being saved or being doomed or being destroyed. And he talks about there in, in, in uh, the verse 10 that he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come to you, to have life and have it to the full. What is he saying? He's coming to kill you. I'm here to save you. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to, to wrap you in my, in, in, my, in, my, in my protection and in my safety. So the freedom you had uh, as a child, and I, I long for these days, probably most of you do too, <laughs> the freedom you had as a child to come and go as you please, you didn't have to worry about the mortgage, didn't have to worry about your grocery bill, didn't have to worry about the KUB bill. You just did what you played out in the yard and waited for supper time. You know, Wouldn't it be great to experience that spiritually? And he's saying here, you can. I've got it. I've got the I've got the I've got the lot bill. I've got the grocery bill. I got the, I got your mortgage. I got I've got it. I've got it. If you'll follow me, you can experience the freedom you've been looking for. You've been chasing <clears throat> all of your life in relationship with me. So here's this this picture of the sheep's transference of their safety, not to their circumstances, but to the shepherd. And as they see safety in the shepherd, they come in and out. And find freedom and find pasture, he says here. So our safety is not tied to our circumstance. Our safety is not tied to our checkbook. It's not tied to our job. It's not tied to, to our marriage. It's not tied to friendships. It is tied to the shepherd. Safety for the sheep, that's you and I, is tied, always tied to the shepherd. And so the more safe we the more safety we experience and the more assurance we have that he's got it and he's got us, the more freedom we can walk in regularly with him. So here's this, here's this uh this clearer picture here of what we've been saved from and how does that apply to you? Because here's the truth. The more you've been saved from, the more saved you feel. And the more saved you feel, the more freer your mind will let you go. The more easier it will be to follow his voice in freedom. To those who have been redeemed much, to those those same folks found the safety and freedom that can only be found in him. If we've been redeemed little, it's harder to find that. So if, regardless of your past, your Matthew, and Matthew had a significant one. He was certainly away from God and away from culture and away from folks. Uh, tax collectors in that, in that day found themselves isolated for the most part because they were thieves and robbers and everybody knew it, but there was nothing anybody could do about it. So here Matthew finds himself laying that lifestyle down to pick up one of greater security even than, than money, to say, I'll walk away from that to find you. I'll walk away from this to know that. And we can and should too, because in that safety, we find freedom. And in that freedom, we learn to hear his voice and follow the nature of who he is more readily. A couple of observations here and we're done. One is this. We're all following someone's example. 
All of us are following someone's example. Maybe your parents, maybe a coach, maybe a mentor, a friend, a hybrid of all of those. But we're following someone's example. We're following something that we've seen that looks follow-worthy at this point. At least that's the reference point we have to this point. The question is this. Is yours, whoever it is, is yours taking you where you hoped it would? Is your fellowship of him or them or or that taking you where you hoped it would? Is it taking you to a place where you're you're understanding more of the nature of who who God has called you to be and recognizes more of his plan for your life? And and maybe there's some good things in in the examples you're following. I hope so. But they can still only take you so far. I had great models in my mom and dad. Incredible models of godliness, of of an incredible marriage to try and uh, follow after. Had great models, but they just only took me so far. In fact, they walked me to the kingdom, took me to the to a tent, uh, tent revival service where I met Christ as my Savior, shared the scripture with me in my home, I made, made sure I understand the nature of how God speaks and how he calls, took me to the place but couldn't step over and have a relationship themselves for me. I had to do that on my own. Same thing with, with coaches, friends, mentors, folks that have had influence in your life. They can lead you to a point, but at that point, you've got to take over and say, I'm going to follow after that. I'm going to make the choice to follow that myself or not. They can only take you so far. In fact, my parents pushed me to, encourage me, didn't push me, encouraged me to follow God's plan for my life as it related to ministry. And I stand before you today, the, the, the benefit of that encouragement and that prayer. Why? Because I wanted to model what I saw in them. But I had to surrender ministry to God, not to them. I had to surrender my heart to him, not to them. That, those models, those, those examples that you've been following earthly, uh, in an earthly sense, can only take you so far. And get this. Get this, don't leave anything, if you don't leave anything else, leave with this. Following Jesus will bring results, but he is far more interested in relationship than results. Results will follow. They're the natural outgrowth of following him. But he is far more interested in relationship with you than the results of your life. What he knows is this. The more relationship he has with you, the greater results your life is going to have for him. The greater glory he gets out of your life, the more in tune you fall, get in behind him and follow his will, his way, his understanding, his plan for you. The easier it is for you to see that, follow that, and the results will follow. He knows that because he knows relationship is paramount. He knows knowing him and walking with him and seeking intimacy with him is a paramount importance that everything else follows in after that. So where do you find yourself today? Still still changing money? Still chasing a job for significance? Still thinking this relationship, marriage that I thought would fulfill me, it has been good, but it hasn't been as fulfilling as I thought it would, and we'll never find true fulfillment or fruit out of our life apart from relationship with him, about, apart from seeking his plan, seeking his way, understanding it, getting it, getting in it, and following it over and over again. That's true. Why? Because he desires relationship with us. He desires to know us intimately. He desires to, to walk with us and give us understanding. He desires to, for us to follow him and, and in turn find freedom in following after the example, the model, the template, the spindle, when we cut ourselves as he is cut for us, we tend to find ourselves shaped like him. When we have our own die to cut, our own template to follow, it may look like him occasionally. He says, listen, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be a selling out. It's going to be a walking away from this to find that. It's going to be a walking away from temporary to find permanent and eternal. We've got to want that, to seek it. Let's pray.